All right, let's declare God's word together. I want to let go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I said amen. amen. Once again, I declare that light will come to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. As a result of the word that will come to you today, your own situation in life, your own confusion in life will be addressed in the name of Jesus. Amen. And you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord in Jesus' name. Alright, the Lord is good. I just feel like you shake somebody's hand as you sit down. Tell the person it is well with you in the name of Jesus. Say so you are anointed in the name of Jesus. You are walking in a manner worthy of the Lord in the name of Jesus. Alright, the Lord is good. Alright, let's open our Bibles. Let's continue looking at uh, the true service of God. Let's open to the book of Isaiah chapter 62. I am going to take my text of scriptures from there today. The book of Isaiah chapter 62. If anybody is listening to this, I want to just say it again. You can get our book, uh, How to Work for God. Many of the things we are saying here are inside that book. Okay? Some of them in the book may not be here. Some here may not be inside the book. But read the book and it will help you um, understand more and more. All right? So the book of Isaiah chapter 62. I just want to use that like our text of scripture for today. The book of Isaiah chapter 62, it said from verse 1, For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep quiet, until her righteousness goes forth, goes forth like brightness, and her salvation like a torch that is burning. The nations will see your righteousness, and all kings will see your glory. And you will be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will designate. And you will also be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. And it will no longer be said to you, forsaken, that is, your name will no longer be forsaken, nor to your land will it any longer be said, desolate. But you will be called, my delight is in her, and your land will be called married. For the Lord delights in you, and to him your land will be married. For as a young man marries a virgin, so your sons will marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so your God will rejoice over you. Now notice verse 6. He said, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. All day and all night they will never keep silent. Now please, I will refer to verse 1. Behind the mindset, For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep quiet. Until her righteousness goes forth like brightness, and her salvation like the torch that is burning. In answer in verse 6, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. All day and all night they will never keep silent. You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves, and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. He said, The Lord has sworn by his right hand, and by his strong arm, 
What did he say? I will never again give your grain as food for your enemies, nor will foreigners drink your new wine for which you have labored. But those who gather it will eat it and praise the Lord. And those who gather it will drink in the courts of my God. Now, there are two portions of the Bible I want to read. Now, what I want to continue to talk about is what we began last time about um, the issue of prayer being work that we do for God. Remember, we established a number of points. One, I said there is a difference between the answer to prayer and the reward of prayer. What I mean is this. If I needed something and I went to the Lord to pray about it, and I said, Lord, give me um, a, a certain amount of money, and he answered it, that's an answer to my prayer. Or, if I went to pray for my friend, and I said, I said to the Lord, please give him a certain amount of money. And he got that money, that's an answer to my prayer. But that is not a reward for praying. When the Lord Jesus was teaching the Sermon on the Mount, he said, do not be like the Pharisees who go and pray openly. He said, verily I say to you, they have their reward. And if you see it, he was trying to say that what they were doing was wrong, all right? He was saying, don't be like them. That is, they have their reward. What is the reward? The reward, he said, they do it so that they will be seen by men. Oh, that man is very spiritual. That man is a prayer warrior. That man is dedicated to the, prayer, to the cause of um, this, our nation. I established them, okay, though we didn't, we didn't study in details about it, that what the kind of prayer they were praying were not prayers for their personal needs. No man will come and pray now and he will shout from the rooftop, oh Lord, this is what I want you to do for my children. No, God, nobody does that. Nobody does that. Nobody will come out, take a trumpet, and start blasting from the rooftop what he wants God to do about his health. He does, does declaring his sickness in the open. Nobody will do all of that. If somebody is broke, he certainly will not pray loudly for his neighbors to hear. So, what was he talking about? The prayers men were praying at that time, let me just summarize it, were prayers being prayed for the redemption of Israel. There were prayers being prayed for the restoration of the dignity of their land. They were praying for the country. Those were the things that they were praying about. And for that reason, men prayed loudly. They felt righteous doing it. They felt people would respect them when they stand in the open and declare loudly. And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. What is the reward? The glory of men. What is the reward? When it's passing, somebody will say, man, that man is a prayer warrior. Let's touch him. And he will feel very good with himself. That is his reward. But he said, you, when you want to pray, you go into your innermost room. Go into your closet. And pray there. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Alright? That is what he was saying is that when you do that and you get a reward. He didn't talk about an answer. I'm going to talk about that today. Alright? In the course of this teaching. Sometimes you do not. Now please, don't get me wrong. When it comes to prayer of intercession, sometimes you do not get an answer. Not because God doesn't want to answer. But because there are so many things involved in the process of that answer. And God is answering you actually. It's just that the answer may not mature in your lifetime. The answer may not mature while you are watching, but your prayer is being measured. There is a certain amount of prayers that must be said before certain things can be released all right, from the presence of God. There are things that people must utter, and it's being measured. The spiritual things have measure. So prayer can also be measured until enough words are spoken appropriately. There are things that God wants to do that he will not be able to do. Now, sometimes a father prays, all right? His son prays. His grandson prays. Or let's be like this, a generation prays. 
Another generation prayed, the next generation prays, a third generation prays before what the first generation prayed about is released to the earth. Now, the prayers of the third generation will appear as if that's what got all the results. But actually, it, it, it wasn't. The first generation said the correct prayers. The second generation came, added their own to it. And then the third generation came, and then they filled to fullness. The Bible says that when the clouds are full, they pour forth rain upon the earth. Usually when it comes to things that are that affects many people, that affect um, generations, that affect lands. Sometimes the prayers have been going on for generations. I gave an example the other time that we see many of us, you know, at least those days when I, I used to attend school of ministry here and there, I'm trying to learn some rudiments. You know, church growth was the in thing at that time. There were church growth conferences all over the place. People were learning the principles of church growth. And many people went to South Korea to go and learn how... Um, um, now, then it was Paul Yonggi Cho. Now he's David Yonggi Cho. He changed his name somewhere along the line. How Yonggi Cho did it that he built a church that numbered 10,000, then 50,000, then 100,000, then half a million. Around that time, he had hit 700,000, and he was pushing for 1 million members. And people were looking at what is the method. They said, okay, it's home sell. Some said, no, the man prays five hours a day. Some would say, okay, what happened that they had multiple services? All kinds of things. But one day, I was reading... And in between the lines, I noticed that he did not sow the seed. The Bible says that other men labored, but you have come into their harvest, or right into their labor. You are harvesting where you did not sow. Yesterday, my wife and I, and Israel, and my son, Akindu, we all went to Asaba to go and attend a, a Chris Devan teaching and concert. There was one that Chris Devan said, he said, you don't go to people that are not prepared. And you know, when he said that, I just said, good, these, these are the things that we have been saying, that listen, People, God prepares people. There is a season of preparation. And many times people will say this man is a strong evangelist. He is nothing more than the person that came into the harvest. All right? The harvest in the people that have been prepared. He said other men labor. Do you have come into their labor? That's what I'm trying to emphasize. Okay? So that you find out then that many people went to South Korea to go and learn methods of harvest, not the methods of seed sowing. And because we don't have spiritual eyes, we cannot tell the difference. We said, okay, this man has a lot of harvest. How did he do it? He had a combined harvester. You find them gathering money, investing money, so they can buy a combined harvester. And then they go to the combined harvester. After they are acquired, they say, now we are going to get a lot of corn. Somebody say, where, where are you planning to harvest? He said, all you need to do is drive it. And then your corn will come out, corn will be spitting out from his mouth. He said, where did you plant your corn? What are you talking about? What we need is a combined harvester. <laughs> And that's what we do a lot of times in Christianity. We go and learn the methods of harvest, and we think it's a method of results. That's the method of harvest. The Bible says there must be seed time and harvest. And the Lord Jesus has taught us that seed time is not always you that will do it. The Lord is the Lord of the harvest. He owns the seed time. He owns the harvest season. The people that sow often are different from those that water. And those who come out to harvest are often different from those who did the first two parts of it. That is, the sowing of the seeds and the watering. But human beings not understanding this, they focus so much on the people that got the, that harvested. And I say, this man is a great evangelist. This man, listen, God knows what he is doing. Just like football, sometimes I feel very bad when there's a highest goal scorer. If I was the administrator of football, I will never reward the highest goal scorer. Because the highest goal scorer does not guarantee success in that team. Do you follow my point? If you are the highest goal scorer and your goalkeeper is the highest goal let allow, uh, allow what, what, what? no, my English sometimes gets even me confused. <laughs> and your goalkeeper is the highest goal allower, allower, 
Are you getting my point? You will score seven goals and he will concede eight goals. That's it. You're dead meat. Are you getting my point? <laughs> I think they should reward. I don't know. Football, I don't know. Those of you who do, do soccer, you should write a letter to, is it Florentino? What's the name of this guy now? Florentino. I see. Huh? Infantino. Infantino. Infant. Okay, it's good. He can still learn. He's, he's, <laughs> no, that somebody should tell him that as much as you reward the highest goal scorer, you should also reward the goalkeeper that considered the least amount and reward the defender that was defending the goalkeeper that considered the least amount. That's why I like American basketball. They, they not only reward the highest goal scorer, they record the highest number of assists. What they call assists, that is, if you are the one that hits the basket, they record it for you and record the person that passed to you. So that they are, therefore, the people have more incentive to let something go. You know, it's what, you, what you reward is what you encourage. If you encourage them, if you only reward the highest goal scorer, people are going to become selfish. They need a lot of self-discipline not to become selfish. I personally don't even believe in the highest goal scorer. It's the highest team that scored the goals. Everybody gets the same thing. And it's a biblical principle. Even those who stayed at home, David shared spoils equally with them. And what am I talking about? We understand spiritual things. That we know that the, highest, the man that's scoring the highest, they didn't bring the ball from the end. Somebody has collected it. The ball probably has gone through about three or four of his teammates before it gets to him. And just that he happens to be a sharp shooter. He aims and he goes, but for you to be in the position of aiming, and they are not knocking you down, there are at least five, three, four other men around you who are defending you. And as far as God is concerned, they, 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 uh, which one do I use? I give my English word now. This English can be scarce sometimes. Quickly before the anointing goes down. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> they deserve, hey, that's the word. What's your issue? They deserve as much no credit as the man that finally put it in. That's why Jesus said, don't brag. Other men labored. You have just come into their labor. You came in the season of harvest. That's how spiritual things are. Let's never forget it. That's why in life you don't brag about anything. Sometimes we make it, not look, we make it look as if uh, Max Lugabe, look at it. He was your age. He's already the fifth richest man in the world. Huh? Get away. Most Americans are older than me. They are poorer than me. So forget that thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is that there are things that were established. And we know, of course, he paid off the guys who told, who claimed, a set of twins, that they were the ones that dreamt of the idea of Facebook. He paid them $50 million years ago to settle the quarrel. They said Facebook was not Mark Zuckerberg's idea. It was the idea. And they sued and went to court. Now, we don't know whether they were telling the truth or not. But at least he shelled out $50 million when Facebook was not worth a fraction of this to calm the whole thing down. Now, what I'm going to say here. So, you see, nobody really can hold. You know, in life, God is using everybody. God is using everybody. We're making us now that God is the richest African man. I've, I watched these things happen. And I realized that I don't want to discuss business now. There were certain issues happening in the country that set the man up for what he's doing today. When the stock market was booming, that was when he got all the money to liquidate all the liabilities he had. So all of us cooperated as a nation to make him rich. These are fact matters. And humble people don't brag that, listen, I have done this, I have done that. Why am I going to all of these things? To let you know that when it comes to intercession, prayer, okay, you may not see the reward when you started praying. What you are seeing may not be something you began. I was using the example of um, Yongicho to let people understand. So many times, people are now using the principles of harvest, forgetting that other men labored. 
The story I heard was assemblies of God had been praying in that land for decades before that man came on the scene. When I saw it, I said, this is a man that led the harvest. He wasn't the one that sowed the seed. He was not the one that watered the ground. But harvest season, he stepped in. I'm not taking anything away from the old man. He was diligent in his work. But if somebody has not sowed the seed, you don't expect that amount of harvest. So many of, those, many of those who went there to go and learn those lessons, they don't get the results because the land is different. The preparation of the ground is different. The crop is different. So they get frustrated that, listen, what's going on here? You go and use a combined harvester and you're supposed to be harvesting yam. You're going to crush all the yam. You're getting what I'm going to say here. Okay? So these things are different. We have to bear that in mind. All right? Just want to emphasize, so when it comes to the principle of intercession also, okay, what happens is that you start praying, it does not mean you will get the result that day. It doesn't mean God is not answering, but is packing things up, is accumulating prayers. You see, the prayers have measure in the realm of the Spirit. He's packing the things together, and then one day, somebody utters some prayers, some group of people utter prayers, and results just start all over the place. It will not be as if, you know, because we prayed, no. There were men who prayed before you. God didn't tell you about that. He just said, you, go ahead and do your portion. But my teaching, all right, this time around, is to let us know that that job is a job that must be done. And if it is not done, many things will not happen. Last time I explained how we often, and you see it, we, we make it impossible for a country like ours to be properly governed. Why? Because of the words that we speak. You must understand that anytime you speak, you're either speaking for or against. Words are hardly ever neutral. What you think may be innocent comments, okay, or something you have a right to do, comment about issues. God says that is actually giving weapon to the devil to make it impossible for your head of state to do what is right. We explained last time that you see the head of state is sitting down there. Our words, all right, have been recorded. Satan is standing before the judgment throne of God, and when he's doing that, what he's doing is that he's an accuser. And let me say it again, God the Father, that's the problem with a lot of Christians. People don't realize that God, okay, people often forget it, that God as a, as a, as a father is different from God as a judge, even if he's the same person. But when he's performing his duty, when he's performing his function as God, there are things that he's doing. So no matter how much God loves the country, if Satan gets up and has enough accusations, strong enough accusations against what God desires, even though he desires it, he still rules in Satan's favor. Why? Because a just God is what he is. He's just. It means he does what is right. If Satan says, listen, as they have spoken in your hearing, so you will do to them according to your word, God now requires an intercessor to stand up and speak against the words of Satan. And he said, I searched for one I did not find. For that reason, I put my indignation upon the land. That shows that he did not want to do it. The accuser of the brethren kept on standing up and speaking. Pour forth, your, pour forth your indignation. Pour forth your anger. Pour forth your anger. And God said, I don't, I don't want to do it. I need somebody to get up, speak and oppose the words of this accuser. But all of them camp on his side. And they start speaking words that are negative. They think they have legitimate complaints. As, as a result, God releases the spirit of foolishness into the life of the head of state. God releases the foolish of spirit, foolishness into the life of um, the inspector general of police. He releases the spirit of foolishness into the whole economy. And people say, hey, we said it, that they can't do anything right. God said, yes, I know you said that's the only reason why what is happening right now is happening. Because you said so. And your words have been used in accusation against you by the accuser of the brethren. And like Regina said in his book, many Christians are working for Satan. Final quest. He explained it there. We work for Satan. 
when we are dividing the body of Christ, when we are speaking negatively about things, we are working for Satan. I'm going to emphasize something here. Like we began the last time, if we don't say the right prayers, what God wants to do will not be done. That's one point. Second point is that sometimes we say the right prayers, but we cancel our prayers with the words that we speak in times of idleness. With the words that we speak in the times that we don't realize that God is listening. Bear that in mind, if you read from the book of uh, Malachi, he said, those that fear the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord heard it. We think oftentimes that God only hears when we are talking to him. But we see from that scripture that God also hears when we are talking to one another. So we gather in church and say, let us pray for the country. Say, say, it shall be well with Nigeria. Everybody say, it shall be well with Nigeria. It shall be well with my country. It shall be well with my country. Then when we are speaking one to another, say, this country is finished. And I hear it all the time. I told you the other day, one of my young junior colleagues in the office said, Nigeria can never improve. He ought, this was his word. He said, this country can never improve. So I said, what did you say? He said, this country can never improve. I said, don't say that again. He said, sir, it can never improve. I said, if you say it again, when it improves, you will not be blessed in it. And you see, listen, people do this all every time. And they don't realize that those are the words that are casting out the all-night prayer services. Those are the words that are casting out all the effort they put into praying for the country. Those are the words that are casting out all the effort they put into praying for their families. Those are the words. They just sit down you know, in peace time and are discussing with each other. There's one newspaper. <laughs> when we're driving today, coming today. I said, even if they dashed out this newspaper free, somebody wanted me to buy. I said, I won't read it. These are accusation newspapers. When you read it and you are saying amen to their words, Satan is writing it and saying, yes, Lord, another one of your children has agreed with this writer. More accusations against the nation. So those are the things we have been trying to explain to Christians. So let's bear it in mind. Before God can do anything, he expects prayers to be said. We read Isaiah chapter 62, but before we comment on it, let's just quickly read that one that we read in, we've read a lot of times in our school of prayer. Luke chapter 18. Remember, God is the judge of the whole earth. He said here, now he was telling, verse 1, Luke chapter 18. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. And he said the parable like this, verse 2, saying, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God, and did not respect man. Notice, God is a judge. God is the judge of the whole earth. Many times people say that this is not the type of God, but I believe it is. Because the Bible says this judge did not fear God and did not respect man. Exactly the two characteristics of God. One, there is no God above him. So he has no God to fear. Number two, he did not respect man. And that's just the way God is. And I know people look at this, this was an unjust judge. I agree. Okay, but there are qualities. You must understand that when, God, when the Bible uses, is using types, you look at the typology, the thing that is relevant in that type. Okay, for example, he will tell you, uh, be wise as serpents. Serpent normally for us is the negative thing. But it tells us there's a wisdom in the serpent that we should learn. Be harmless as a dove. There's something about the dove we must learn. It is not everything about the dove that you learn. He said, go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. And he now told you the ways to consider. He said, having no leader, he does his work. He didn't say you should never have a leader. He just said, even if there is no leader, be diligent in what you are doing. That's the principle of using types. Sometimes people want to analyze 
the, the ego. They will give you 20 things about the ego, and they want to merge everything into Christianity. Listen, <laughs> there are a few things about the ego that has to do with the work with God. Do you follow my point? Look for those things. They, are always, they, they usually are stated clearly in the scriptures. Tell the swords with wings like an eagle. Yes, stick on that. Let 90% of your understanding of the ego be from that particular angle. The fact that it's going very high and it's using wings. So how does that apply to your life? So I'm, I'm saying here, for this reason I am persuaded that this was a type of our God. He said, this man did not fear God. There's no God above our God. Not, no God for him to fear. And did not respect man. And we know that our father also is no respecter of persons. He said, there was a widow in that city. And she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection. This is long English. I like King James here. Avenge me of my adversary. My Bible here says, give me legal protection from my opponent. The literal Greek actually says, do me justice from my opponent. He said, for a while he was unwilling. But afterward, he said to himself, even though I do not fear God, nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? Verse 8 says, I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? There are things to understand here. For example, note a few words. He said, this elect cried to him, how often? Day and night. Day and night. So it shows you they were persistent. Then he says that he will not delay long over them. Now, I want to emphasize something here. Sometimes it appears like there's delay. That's why he said it like that. He will not delay long. If there was no delay at all, they would not have had the cause to cry to him day and night. They would have just cried one day, and by night, they would get what they are looking for. But he said, this will be the hindrance to God's release of their answer. Will he find faith on the earth? That is, if he comes, if he wants to come and there is no faith, his justice will be delayed. Now let me say, yeah, faith has many characteristics. One of the major um, traits of faith is that of persistence and patience. Persistence and patience. Please, let's bear those things in mind, okay? So what is saying here, many times, like we said here, God told, uh, the Lord Jesus told this parable to show that men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. They ought always to pray and not get tired. I've said it again and again. The reason why he needed to tell them that is because results often are delayed. For that reason, people lose heart. Now, these are the dynamics that we're looking at. So you see, before God can do something, prayers must be said. Now, let's go back to Isaiah chapter 62. I want to continue to explain something there. He said, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. Now, here God shows that he has a plan for Zion. He has a plan to bring forth her righteousness like brightness, and so that her salvation will shine bright like a torch that is burning, that the nations will see her righteousness, and all kings will see her glory. He said all of this, and they will have a new name. He now said to effect it, verse 6, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen, 
All day and all night, they will never keep silent. Remember, Jesus said this elect, they do what? They cry day and night. Here he said, all day and all night, they will never keep silent. You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. That's verse 7. Now, I'm bringing out something here. If you read verse 8, you will see that he quoted the promise of God. He has sworn by his right hand and by his strong arm. What it is where I will never give your grain as food for your enemies, nor will foreigners drink your new wine for which you have labored. Now, these are God's promises. But he said for them to come to pass, for these promises to be fulfilled over the land. Now, you see, please, can I take a pause so that I can, say many, I can, I can make sure everything is clear? Remember, we said prayer with reward. It's different from prayer with answer. Answer is the one you get. Alright, like I said, I ask for money, I get it. I ask for money for you, you get it. But reward is that God looks and says that for this prayer you have prayed, I will reward you. That is, that prayer is never for yourself. That prayer usually has the interest of somebody else at heart. Let me give it as an example. Solomon got up and said, give me wisdom. God said, because you did not ask for money, you will get money. Because you did not ask for long life, you will get long life. Because you did not ask for the lives of your enemies, but you ask for wisdom, I will give you all of those things. Those things technically can qualify, to, for the purpose of explaining this, as a reward. Do you understand my point? I said last time, the greatest reward that God gives his children actually is the satisfaction and joy of seeing the thing that they are praying about come to pass. It's very satisfying. It's very, very satisfying. That's the greatest reward. So please bear it in mind. Reward for prayer is different from answers to prayers. That is why, okay, I was saying something before I lost track there. I was saying that it may take a few generations for answers to come to a particular kind of prayer. But each generation will get his reward if he prays that prayers diligently. The word is diligently. Because, let me give an example now. Those who came maybe a hundred years before the Lord Jesus, and they were praying for the salvation of Israel. They were praying for the coming of the um, Redeemer of mankind. They would get a reward in their generation. Even though the Lord Jesus was not going to arrive for another hundred years. But their prayers have been added to the thing that God wants to do. Are you getting my point here? Alright? Let me give an example. There's a story we know a lot, many of us, about a man, Pa Elton. Alright? A British um, apostle that came to Nigeria and settled here. And he had great visions concerning this country. And he trained men to teach the word of God, to preach the word of God. Alright? He walked with people like Babalola, taught them the infilling of the spirit and all of that. And great results came during his life. And we were convinced that he prayed for this country. Many of the things he prayed about have not yet happened. But he has died and has gone home to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you getting my point? Now, those things may not have fully come to pass. He may not have seen many of them in his lifetime. But God will give him a reward for those prayers. That's what I'm saying. And what you and I are doing, I'm praying now, we're adding to what people like him did. We're adding to words that people like him uttered. Let me say something again. Listen, prayer is not only what you ask God for that he gives you. In fact, he said it clearly. If you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, what other people are asking for, I will add to you. In fact, he implied that if things are missing in your life, it's an indication that you are not seeking the right thing. And the way by which you seek what is right is not just by your effort. One of the major ways is also by your focus in prayer. I am convinced that many of these prayers we gather 
as Christians these days, you know, I will not leave Lagos empty-handed. You know, those kind of, um, <laughs> don't you see those posters? <laughs> they are all over town. <laughs> all those things, they actually remove from the lives of Christians because they don't provoke God to reward them for anything. They are so focused on their own needs. They are so focused on their own problems that God is not favorably disposed towards them because we have seen that the kind of prayers you pray affects how God relates with you. It does. So it's very important for us to understand that. The kind of prayers we pray affects, how it affects God's disposition towards us. There are many, look, if going by what I hear around, many prayers we pray today as believers, the Lord is tired of them. In fact, I have this suspicion that he deploys some angels, he will deploy some angels to go and be listening to the prayers. So that they don't wear him out. It's in the Bible. Sometimes you can wear somebody out. <laughs> even the Lord. What I say, it deploys angels. There was a time he told Moses, I'm not going with you. I will send an angel to your prayer meeting. Moses had to say, no. Lord, we're not going to agree. If your presence will not go with us, then we're not going to shift from here. Please. But that tells you that sometimes God will deploy some angels. So there are churches that only angels come for their prayer meetings. The Lord does not attend. He does not listen. In case you want to know what kind of prayer, what kind of church is there, let me just tell you quickly, because we have to help Christians. If in your church, when you start praying, the focus is will identify the people that are worrying you. God did not come. Please listen to me. I'm not kidding. You can see. I know when I'm laughing. I know when I'm serious. I'm frowning my face seriously now so that you know that I'm very, very serious. If when you are praying, you are returning arrows to senders, just know that God does not come for those prayer meetings. He doesn't attend, they don't get to heaven. If when you are praying, all you are doing is sending the fire of the Holy Ghost against your enemies, you are abusing the fire of the Holy Ghost, just know God is not listening to you. He has just sent some angels to protect you from dying suddenly. Because as you are sending your fires, some other fires are coming to you also. So in his mercy, oh, listen, my, It's very kind. You know, you know, the Bible says he's mindful that we are both flesh. So in our foolishness, we do a lot of things. So he just overlooks it. Leave them. He said, Gabriel, say, yes, my Lord. Just get, get, get a few angels to guard them. And send them help one day. Maybe they will learn the right words to say. When you want to pray, there are proper words to utter. So you want to know prayer meetings God doesn't go for? I've given you an idea. These are, one, these are prayer meetings I'm sure he doesn't come to. So if you want him to attend your prayer meetings, ask what kind of prayer points does he want us to pray. We've talked about that. Solomon, he gave Solomon a blank check. Solomon picked one small, in quotes, according to today's standards, one small thing. And God was excited about it and said, because you did not ask for the other things. I will now give you the other things. That tells us that if Solomon has asked for every other thing, he may have gotten them, but God would not have been happy with those requests. Bear that in mind, all right? So let's not get the impression that it's only what we ask God for that he gives us. Indeed, he said, if we seek his kingdom and his righteousness, every other thing, including that which we did not ask for, will be given. I think that is clear enough. Now, there's no argument about that, all right? For that reason, I think we should trust him. We should trust him enough to say, Lord, what are the prayer points that are important to you? One of them, he said, pray the Lord of the harvest 
to send laborers into his harvest field. Why did he say so? The Bible tells us that there are many places, there were many places he wanted to go. But he had to send people ahead two by two. So the number of people he had, they were exhausted. So mentally he calculated the other villages and towns he wanted to go to. But the disciples were finished. They did not have enough. So he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. What did he derive from that? He gave us a prayer point. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send laborers into his harvest field. That's an important prayer point. He gave us prayer points. The first one he gave is, pray for your enemies. The very first time Jesus ordered his disciples to pray, it was to pray for, not against, their enemies. Before he told them to pray, um, the Lord, the, what do you call it now? Our Father, who art in heaven. He had already used the words, pray for your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Do I need to tell you how much we disobey that one outrightly? When I talk sometimes, people will say, what is this man talking about? I'm just giving you the words of the Lord Jesus. Our prayers about our enemies these days don't fit the pattern that the Lord Jesus gave us. But I'm not going to say this. What I'm going to say here is this. We can ask God for things and get them. But there are things he said we should ask for. And he already promised that there are many things we will not need to ask for. And he will give to us. It takes faith for us to receive that instruction. Many of those things will come as reward. They will. I like when the Canadian said those days. He said they were praying for a revival. A burden came upon him to pray for healing revival. And he did not care whether God used him or did not. He just wanted to see the revival of a particular kind of anointing. He didn't care. He specifically said it. And he told the Lord as much. In fact, he said he would have preferred if the Lord did not use him. But the Lord poured that anointing out. Just like he prayed. And many people were praying. But beyond that, the anointing came upon him. It came upon him on at least three different levels. At least two of them were particularly striking and outstanding. And of all the men that participated in that move, only two of them lived into our own generation. Him and Ora Roberts. I believe these are some of the rewards for praying those right prayers. Let me just say this. Even though I'm implying it, I mean, I'm deducing it from words that are spoken. I also believe, I believe there's judgment also for joining Satan in accusing in such a manner that God cannot do what he wants to do on the earth. I think it's important. You know, one of the things that Chris Delvan said when uh, this, uh, this service we went for yesterday night is that he said this is a time, he was speaking prophetically, to watch, he said, fast your words. Fasting, fast as in, you know, fasting, I'm not eating, I'm not drinking, those kind of things. This one, he said, fast your words. That is, I will not speak. He said, be careful, choose your words carefully. Because God is releasing unction upon the words that we speak. I noted those things down. That choose your words. Don't just open your mouth and speak anyhow. Important for believers to get. Listen, life for us as believers, our faith is total. That's why we talked then about total faith. Please, if you're if you not around when we're doing that teaching, please download from our website, total faith. 
Our faith is total. We cannot be believing God for breakthrough and increase on one aspect. And then we join Satan on another aspect and start accusing the church, accusing the nation, accusing the heads of state, the head of state, accusing all kind, you no, know, uttering all, for, all kinds of accusations and pronouncing negative judgments. Words like this country is finished. You are working for Satan. One day, a young man came to my office. I don't know whether this is relevant or not. He said, Nigeria can never have uninterrupted power supply. He came to ask me for a favor. I was so offended, I walked him out. He said, sir, minimum wage, you quoted it for me. You know, he didn't know who he was arguing with. He said, minimum wage is this amount. I said, that was exactly what they said that prevented people like BT Cellnet. That time, they're, they're not, the, the name has changed now. That pre- prevented people like, um, what do they call it? Vodafone. Voda, uh, yes. From coming from Europe to come and invest that time in Nigeria. These are the things that they said that even one of the men who bidded, Akim Belo Asagi, pegged his bidding fee. He told his men, don't go beyond $265 million. Finally, the license was released for $285 million. And I read this article that they gave in a graduating class in the United States, I think last year, a speech he gave. And he said, Akim Belo Asagi, he said, the, now we, he said that was the greatest business mistake of his life. He said, now we know the true value of that license was $800 million. He finally had to sneak in through the back, gather with some people. He's the chairman of Etisalat. They bought the license from Dangote because Dangote was so busy building cement factories. And when his refinery was going to come online, the man said, please, my hands are full. Otherwise, that man would have been the one, at least a lot of today, would have been a Dangote company. <laughs> I told the young man, I said, listen, this was what they said then. I'm talking about reward and judgment. He wanted to argue with me. He came to ask me for a favor. I told him to get up and get out. So one day I was talking to one of his classmates. I just talking about the story. He said, uh, it was good. Let's assume the guy's name is um, um, Bartholomew. Uh-huh. <laughs> he said, who? Bartholomew. He said, Bartholomew is dead. I, I described, he said, yes, he's dead. I just shook my head. Like I said, I don't know how relevant that is to my teaching for today. But, I, but that what I remember that day, I was very angry with him. I said, get up and get out. I told him, I said, at the end of the day, know what's happened to you with all your intelligence. You will, you will do your SMLE. You will pass. You will go to America and become one of the average Jews of doctors there. All your intelligence will vanish, drowned out by Indians and Chinese doctors. Yes, that's what happens. When you have all those negative words in your mouth, you get there and you become obscure. You're feeling like a star. You rush, you get there, you vanish. Anyway, why am I telling that story? Listen, I said, look, with all this talk, that's what it does. You speak so negatively, you don't realize you are hurting yourself. Your negative words carry you into obscurity. Let's continue teach, looking at the scriptures. I'm going to emphasize something here. So our words are very important. Our prayer points should be the things that please God so that he can reward us appropriately. 
we should not focus our prayers on things that are not work, that he doesn't consider work. We're talking about the true service of God. Working for God, when you are praying for yourself, he doesn't consider it work. When you are focused on your needs, he does not consider it work. And does not require, he does not deserve any reward. When morning, afternoon, and night, and God, I've come again. It's because, it's because of this thing I need. Lord, I've come again. It's because of my money. Lord, I've come again. It's because of promotion. Lord, I've come again. I'm looking for connection. Lord, I've come again. That one, he may listen, but he's not happy. He may listen, but he's not delighted. You want to see those who he delights in? Last time we talked about two people, a man and a woman, who the Lord employed to bring Jesus to the earth safely. Even though he determined to bring his son to the earth, he knew that once once it comes to breaking into this realm, he must have your cooperation. He must have human cooperation. If he sent Jesus into this realm without prayer cover, Mary would not have made it to nine months. If he sent Jesus into this earth without a prayer cover, something would have happened. She would have miscarried the child in the fourth month. If he sent Jesus into this earth without a prayer cover, the boy would have been born in the cold and cold would have killed him. I'm serious about that. Even though it was the son of God that was being born, what you did was to cover him properly with prayers. 